welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Lupna, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, the one and only... Ian Edwards. <laughs> the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a bi-weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi-adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. And boy, do I have an amazing guest for you this week. And I know I say this on every episode, but let's be honest, every sushi adoring mm-hmm. entrepreneur is amazing. It's actually we- true this time. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has started wait, off. Wait, wait, edit that out. <laughs> no way. That is staying in. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard Adam Adams, the founder of growyourshow.com, where they help you get your message out to the world. Their clients get ranked in the top 1% on Apple Podcasts. Boy, you got to share some secret about that, Adam. And other top stars, which means one thing. His clients have more influence than 99% of the podcasts out there. And there are many podcasts out there, ladies and gentlemen. Adam says the reason most podcasters fail is a lack of marketing, which is why his niche is to manage that critical piece. So you can have more listeners, more downloads, more ratings, and more reviews. Adam has a loyal following in the real estate industry as well as the podcasting industry. After selling his real estate podcast, you sold your real estate podcast? Ooh, I didn't even know you could do that. Neither did I. He launched the podcast on <laughs> podcasting, which is ranked as the top podcast to help podcasters. Adam, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Great <laughs> to be here. We've got to be really on our game today, Lubna. I mean, oh, geez. podcast on podcast? I know. Podcasting. I know. I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> you guys are hurting my cheeks already. <laughs> you remember the part where I said having fun? Well, we do have fun. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Adam. I can tell. I can tell. I feel warm and welcome now. Good, good, good. Adam, we have to start with one of the most important questions of this podcast. Are you ready? I think so. I hope so. <laughs> that didn't oh, sound very confident. <laughs> so here I'm goes. nervous. I'm nervous. Well, okay. we can't continue without this answer, Adam. So I just hope that you're ready. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Take a deep breath in. Let's do it. What's your favorite sushi and why? I like sashimi the best. No rice, no nothing. And then the second best, and you're going to laugh at me is anything that's deep fried with lots of, you know, spicy mayonnaise and all that. So either one, it's the polar opposites. I'm never going to have a California roll or whatever, but like a deep fried roll is always going to be epic. As long as it has the eel sauce, that sweet teriyaki sauce and the spicy mayonnaise all over it. So it's calories, calories, calories. My body loves it. It's the comfort food, but uh, you know, sashimi, uh, the fatty tuna is by far the best. I don't remember what they call it right now, but uh, the fatty tuna, which is like, it melts in your mouth. It's like butter. It's too good. So can I just, me being a sushi purist, because you are on the Entrepreneur's Sushi Club podcast here, Adam. So you know that sashimi isn't really sushi. You know, just saying, okay, it's Japanese, but it's not really technically sushi. It's like the difference between brand and branding, okay? Same Makes sense. 
Yes. Yeah, well, I just don't need the rice. I don't eat a whole bunch of carbs usually. And so like when I go to an all you can eat sushi restaurant and I've been kicked out of two of them, two oh different all you can eat sushi restaurants where they're like, you cost us too much money. You're not welcome here again. Oh my and gosh. that's literally happened twice. And what I try to do is I like, I don't want the rice. It makes it so I can't eat as much protein and fat. And I want the protein and fat. It's so good. So, yeah, you're right. It's not sushi. It's just sashimi. I'm going to say it's it's so good. You know, a little bit of raw salmon by itself, no rice or the fatty tuna or just tuna. It's all super good. I want to ask you and reverse the role for a second. Do you guys use soy sauce and do you guys use the wasabi the wasabi do you use wasabi on yours of course yeah. oh my gosh i need if when i'm dipping that fish in unless it's the fatty tuna then i just want it by itself but everything else i like i put in the soy sauce and i put a giant bit of the wasabi and so my i'm crying my nose hurts and i'm like this sushi is so good this Adam, you just redeemed yourself. You just oh, redeemed yourself. Because that is all part of the experience. If you're not crying, then you're not eating. <laughs> <laughs> but you killed it with the deep fry. No, yeah. it's so good. No, you got to try it. I know you're a sushi purist and all, but trust me. Trust me. A deep fried roll. Oh, so good. <laughs> Now I'm salivating again. This is such a bad thing to have this conversation at 7.30 p.m. Now I want me some sushi. I don't know why we do it to ourselves. Why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> but all joking aside, this is absolutely fantastic. And you're the guest number two that we've had recently that says all things deep fried. And we were like, oh, my God, what are you doing? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? What it's actually highlighted, Lubna, is that we need to change our vetting process. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So let's get to the second most important question of the podcast. How did you start your sushi journey and how long ago was it? Okay. There's two major steps. The first step was me doing a Mormon mission for two years in Los Angeles, California, and being around just tons of different cultures. I served with the Chinese in the Chinese culture, in the Chinese speaking ward, they call them. It's basically just a church and, and ate food at the Chinese house. And by the way, I've learned that you have to make noises when you eat your soup or else it's rude. And so that's what I learned there. But with all these Polynesians, it was a lot of fun. But they kept having this raw like tuna and these other raw fish or whatever kind of fish. But it's in this like bowl and it's either not cooked at all or it's just cooked with acid like lemon juice and stuff. And I almost puked having it in front of me. And they're like, this is a delicacy. You've got to have it. And I'm just like it hasn't been cooked. And I was afraid that was step one, just kind of getting exposed to it for the first time. Step two, I come home from the mission and I'm in Utah and I'm serving and waiting tables and bartending. And all the people that I was working with went out to a sushi place at one day and I was like, no, I'm good. And then the next time they were like, hey, do you want to come? And I said, no, I'm good. And they're like, what's going on? Do you not like us? And I was like, no, I just, I'm afraid of raw fish. 
And so they brought me, they said, there's a lot of cool stuff that you can eat there. Don't worry. So they gave me a California roll, which had like fake crab with mayonnaise and, oh, and just the rice, basically. And so there wasn't any raw fish. And I was like, okay. And I ate it and I was like, this is okay. And then I came again and I was like, what else would I possibly be able to eat here that was raw? They gave me a Vegas roll, which is not everybody knows what it is, but it's a California roll that has like the tempura all over it. And then they deep fry it. And I was like, that was where I became in love with sushi, in love with sushi. You're going to hate me. That was like the day that I was like, oh, my God, like there is something about this. And so I've always been in love with these fried rolls and everything. But I started pushing my boundaries. Mm. And so I started eating stuff that was a fried roll, but it had fish in the middle that didn't look like it was cooked all the way. And I ate that. It was fine. Then I started eating rolls that had a little bit of like raw fish in the middle, but uh, wasn't cooked at all. And I was like, I love this and I'm good with this. And I kept like pushing the boundaries until I went crazy and had like a rainbow roll that had raw fish all over the top of it. And I looked at it and I said, I can do this. And from then on, I went past purity and went sashimi only. And I'm like, I'm usually on either end of the spectrum. But that was like my journey into finally liking fish, raw fish. And I do it at the house too. Even like I'll cook fish all the time. I'll cook my salmon, even if I'm cooking it medium rare. So it's, you know, like hardly cooked. And anyway, that was funny because I was always afraid of it. And somehow my friends that I bartended with, they kind of like slowly brought me into um, loving it. So Adam, as I'm listening to you and you're saying, you know, you're kind of like a bit tentative at first, but then it's like, yes, this is for me. I've, I've found, you know, the thing I love about sushi. I'm kind of thinking about your business journey as well as an entrepreneur, because you've, you've obviously alluded to, you've done some mission work, you've done some bartending. So how opposite ends of the spectrum again. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm thinking. How did that come about then? You know, what what's the, that journey been like? Before the mission, I started investing in real estate and it was because my whole family was investing in real estate. So I, I started focusing on that. And it was before college that I really started. And then I think I owned my first one right in college, but the real estate was where I started. And because I wanted to be better at real estate, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, even though I'm dyslexic and I hate reading books altogether. My dad wanted me to read this since it came out. And I think it was either 1997, I think is when it came out. And my dad already owned it. And he was like, hey, you need to read this. But it took me a while to actually get around to it. I, I sold a piece of property, made more than I ever made in a whole year of bartending. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, there's something to this. So I read the book and I learn about Robert Kiyosaki. And I learned that he did two main things. He ran a business to get his active income because his taxes could be a little bit better when he runs a real business, not just in, as a consultant, not just as he calls it the, the quadrant. I think it's yeah. the uh -huh. lowest one is the employee. Then the next one is self-employed and the next one is a business and the next one is investing. So I started focusing back then on business and investing. So what I did is I, I became a property manager for other people's real estate just so I could learn the ins and outs of it without the risk. It would be their risk and I would be learning. 
So I started doing property management. And then the business that I thought that I would run is a handyman company. So I ended up getting like 13 employees and I was in college. And this was right after reading the book. And I started doing this. I had these 13 guys. I think they were all guys at the time, not to be genderist. Basically, with all of these employees, I was charging usually 65 an hour. When we were doing the work, we billed at 65 an hour, but I was paying them, my my workers, usually like 10, 12, or 15 bucks an hour. So with 13 people working 50 to 60 hours a week, after paying every expense, all the marketing, I was netting way more than 20 grand at a minimum every single month. And like, I wasn't even doing the work. And I thought that was so rad because I had this business. So that was kind of like the beginning stage after reading the book. And I had that company, but then the crash of 2008 happened. And in 2009, my company, I went down from 13 employees to a a little less. And then 2010, I went to even less in 2011. I went back to bartending because I couldn't make money, enough money. And one of my employees, Jose, lived in one of my apartment communities I had a multifamily and Jose lived there with his wife and his four kids. And like, I wanted him to make money so that he could pay my rent (laughs) so he could still pay. And I also cared about his family a lot. He had worked with me for years. And so I was like, okay, I'll just get the business and I'll make, make sure that Jose does the job and gets paid. And I'm going back to bartending. So it's crazy that that's kind of the beginning of the few years of what I was doing. And if you fast forward it, I started doing more multifamily investing in 2015, 16, 17, 18 until we got a portfolio, me and my partners, not me alone. I wish I could own it by, by myself, but of a, it was over a hundred million dollars is what we are partnered in right now of real estate investing. And that was going great. And I was out of the rat race, technically, because of all of my rentals and everything. I Out of the rat race, that's a direct quote from the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But I was out of the rat race. And finally, and for a couple of years, I, I was like, this is great. I don't have to do anything in 2020. And there's a reason I'm sharing this. But in 2020, we own all these apartment communities with passive investors, with other mm-hmm. partners, and we stop doing what's called distributions. It's basically at the end of the quarter, you see the profits that you have and you distribute it evenly amongst everybody who owns it. And so I was one of the operators and I would get piece of it. And then my other business partners were part of the operators and they would get pieces of it. And then we have like 60 past investors that we give their little bits of it. So they're they're making 8%, 10%, 12% annualized returns while we are making infinite returns because we didn't really have to put our own money into it. And it, that changed in 2020 because we were afraid of getting rid of all the money. So instead of doing distributions, we tried to keep how they say have several months of expenses. We didn't know what would happen. And so we didn't want to live paycheck to paycheck or whatever. So we kept all the money, all of our properties, and we weren't doing distributions. And I had just sold in 2019, I had just sold all my small rentals. Like I had a bunch of houses and like triplexes and fourplexes and fiveplexes and stuff like that in a few different states. And I was like, I made all this money in apartments. And I was like, I got to get rid of this small stuff because it's not even valuable for me to fly out to 
four different states to see my properties. I just want to get rid of them and make it easy. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Should not have done that. You're not advising. Uh, you need multiple streams of income. And in 2020, no joke, I went from tons of money in the bank and paying all of my staff easily and never needing to worry about money. I had tons of money in the bank and I just kept making all the same expenses, trying to weather the storm, keeping on my staff because I was afraid to let them go. And I ended up losing so much money. I went into credit card debt, literally like I went from tons to like, I think it was like negative 45,000 or something in credit cards. And I'm like embarrassed because people looked up to me and all this kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, I said, I got to figure out a way because I'm not making money anymore because we stopped doing distributions for the big apartments that we own. And I sold all my other stuff. I need another stream of income. So I had helped a few people launch podcasts and just as friends, I didn't charge them. I just knew what I did wrong and I helped them and they all got ranked you know, five times better than the top 1%, three times better than the top 1%. And I was like, I've got to make this a business. I've just got to make this a business. You know, in, it was in March of 2020 that yeah. I said, I've got to figure out a way to package this and to get it out in front of people so that I can start making money. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I still have credit cards debt right now, but it's nowhere close to the 45,000. It's like 20 something thousand, which is still embarrassing. I'm not proud of it, but I'm just sharing it with your listener so they can know the real and raw. But what's really remarkable is it's now residual income because we have all of these podcasters that we're serving on a monthly basis. We're marketing for them every single month so they can get in top 1%. We're taking over their post-production for them so they don't have to lift a finger. They can just push record. And it's become a place where finally, even though I still have some credit cards, as we record this, hopefully in two months, it'll be gone and it'll be an afterthought. But at the end of the day, what's remarkable is we've built to so many clients that are served by my staff of 10 virtual assistants mm -hmm. that if I technically wanted to take like three months off, I would still be making seven grand a month net right now. If I just like didn't do anything, I could make seven grand a month for the next three months for sure. But I, I want to grow it a lot more because I'm, I'm used to living on more than that. But so we're trying to serve more podcasters and help more podcasters grow. But that's where I am. That's the good, the bad, the ugly, the ins, wow. the outs, and real and raw for you. you know I what? love that. It's amazing. But you know what, Adam? I'll tell you what's really inspiring about your story is that we, we, we hear a lot of, you know, bounce back stories and stories of resilience and success. But it happens quite some time ago in the past. And that was like, you know, 10 years ago, I was sleeping rough. And, but we are talking about a year ago. One year ago. So the hope for our listeners is that it doesn't matter where you are today. You can turn it around like that, literally in an instant and a heartbeat, just like you did. You know, you found something that you're doing quite naturally, something that you obviously love doing, something that you were good at, and you turned it into a business. It's a bit like when I'm making sushi at home. It's, a, it's like, right, what have I got? <laughs> you know, what have I got? We're all together now. You know, what have I got? It's, it's, You're like, I don't have any rice, so I'll just have to go with Adam's favorite. <laughs> I've got to remember this no rice sushi forever, probably. <laughs> oh, 
But on that note, because your story is so inspiring and it says so much about your personality. Mm. So one of the questions that we ask of every guest, if you, Adam Adams, your personality were a sushi, what would the ingredients be? Oh my gosh. Avocado for sure. There would have to be avocado. I'm going to say there's going to be fatty tuna. Nice. For sure, like fatty tuna nice. and avocado. Less rice than normal. Okay. Definitely going to be wrapped with seaweed, not that other whatever they call it. <laughs> and then tobiko on the top. So yeah. we're going to put like the flying fish eggs on there, like those crispy, crunchy, itty-bitty balls. The pop. I'm, am I allowed to say balls on the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. itty-bitty <laughs> eggs and... Let me think what else we put a little bit of the eel sauce, which is like the soy sauce that's sweetened. And so we put a little bit of eel sauce on there and on every bite, it's just going to be a little dollop of sriracha. That's Ooh, what it's going to be. Nice. Oh, I love a bit of sriracha. Oh, but now what do each of these ingredients represent in your personality? So what does avocado say about your personality, Adam? He's fresh. <laughs> and the fat tuna <laughs> uh the fatty tuna i think it's a way of saying that he's a little out there like he's a little extravagant because the fatty tuna legit is like 10 times more expensive than just regular tuna yeah. so i think that's a part of it for sure yeah and then the tobiko because i think i got a little crunch Okay. And and you need that because you got to keep it interesting. So I want to always want to keep things interesting. Okay. And the, the spicy, because I'm, some people say I have red hair. I don't know if I have red hair myself. I've never agreed to that. But they say that I've even if they can't can or can't see it, they've got it in my personality where I sometimes have a short fuse. I'm a little spicy sometimes, a little passionate sometimes. And what were the other parts that I mentioned? Oh, I just hate the white wrap what is that called rice wrap yeah. what is it yeah the rice wrap yeah, yeah but you wrap. said the seaweed so we've got a nori so it's probably a roll or a hand roll oh can, let's say well it, it's going to be a roll because i already said that each separate bite uh had the not the jalapeno had the uh, <laughs> sriracha on it but yeah. i actually like hand rolls better i love hand rolls so if i'm going to go in the middle from a fried roll because they don't have fried hand rolls and the sashimi, then I really prefer the hand rolls. They're delicious and they're a lot easier to eat, especially if you don't know how to use your uh, chopsticks yet. Are you telling me you don't know how to use chopsticks? No, I crush it at that at chopsticks. But I'm there is a listener out there that, <laughs> that is they're like doing this and it flips out and it flies all over and it goes into the lap of their date. And so you can get away from that by having a hand roll. Plus, they're pretty good anyway. So, yeah. Well, I was about to give you a lesson there. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good at chopsticks. I've been practicing since uh, my dad took me to the Chinese restaurant in, I, I don't know, I was like 10 years old, something like that. And I was determined to be the first kid my age to learn it. I don't know if I was 10 or nine or 10 or 11, something like that. But I, I was determined I needed to be the first kid that knew how to do this. And I used to pride myself and brag to all of my friends at school. Oh, you don't know how to use chopsticks, huh? <laughs> so, yeah. 
That I was can me. so totally see you saying that. <laughs> I, so, I can so see you saying yeah. that, Adam. I really I have do. a picture in my mind of you <laughs> saying that. I love it. I love it. Oh, oh my God. So before we wrap up, I can't, can you believe the time, Lubna? We said 20, 25 minutes. We've gone a little bit over this time, but I think everyone will agree with us that's listening, that it was most certainly worth it without a shadow of a doubt. So before we wrap up, though, um, Adam, what three tips, tricks, resources would you like to share with our audience that has really helped you with your resilience, with your rebuilding your business, anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, what I'd like to share is a quote that I learned when I was in junior high in the band. I used, was a band dork, of course. Uh, you can tell, obviously. But uh, a quote that I learned, uh, I think it was from Calvin Coolidge. I can't quote the entire thing right now, and it would the whole thing's not even as relevant as the parts that I want to share, is it talks about people that are geniuses don't necessarily have success. People that have talent don't necessarily have success. It says that persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. You get endless potential if all you do is just don't quit. So that's the main takeaway that I would share is that there's a lot of people out there. In 2020, I didn't share this, but I actually lost $500,000, not from paying my staff, but we had a, a transaction that we exited and we lost 500 grand. And with that said, like most people would quit completely. And what I found over time, repeatedly through my whole life is the only time I fail is when I quit. Mm. And if yep. you just have that persistence, like Calvin Coolidge says, it doesn't matter if you're smart. It doesn't matter if you have talent. It doesn't matter if you're well-educated. The only thing that matters is if you continue to be determined to make this thing happen. And I think that's important for all people that have their own business, all entrepreneurs. You got to know that persistence and determination are omnipotent. They are the endless potential, not how smart you are, not how cute you are, not any of the other things. But if you don't quit, you will win. Oh, I love that. It's even scientifically proven that that is correct. I believe you. <laughs> it really is. Two things, passion and persistence. It outweighs intelligence Every time it doesn't really matter what you do. So there's a lot of societal pressure on intelligence in most cases, but it's not what makes you a success in any way, shape or form. So I'm really, really grateful that you shared that, Adam, because that's really good advice. Great. It's great advice. Well, we're going to wrap up because I'm, I have to ask, can you also share a couple of tips on how to get number the top 1% in podcasting land? I can't not ask that question. Okay. It just depends how much time we have, but I will give you some legit tips to growing a podcast. And I'm going to try to give you four because we do like over a dozen different strategies really make a difference. The first one, and you're going to know it because it's one, two, three, four. So it's one episode, one Facebook ad. And how you do it is you go to answerthepublic.com and you find out all of your different podcast episodes that you've had and you try to see which ones are the most popular on answerthepublic.com and then you're going to pay money for that one ad and you're going to make sure that the copy, the words, the script 
in your ad are going to really pull people in. So you basically want to pick one ad that solves one problem from one episode and you want to throw that one thing in front of the most amount of people. That's how you're going to get them to start trusting you, start liking you. And they're more likely to actually take action on the ad because it's something that answers the public. Two, two different types of blog banner ads. One is industry related. So for you guys, you're really going to have three. I'm sorry, you have three and all these other people, they have two. You'll have three because you're going to be putting banner ads up on people's blogs about sushi. You're going to be putting up banner ads on people's blogs about entrepreneurship. Those are the first two, which would normally be one for everybody else because it's just like one industry related, but you have the ability to do that extra one. Oh, you like sushi and you're an entrepreneur? Listen to our podcast. And it's a banner ad that stays up there for like six months. And then same thing on the entrepreneurship. But the second one for everybody else, industry-related blogs, also podcast listener blogs, because you want to get in front of people that already listen to podcasts. So when we work with a client and we help them grow their show, we go into this one big group in New York City that has tons of podcast listeners looking for their next podcast to listen to. And we'll actually pay the extra amount to be able to get it in five different places on there. The three categories that your podcast does, plus the featured category, plus the professional podcast category. So that's number two is two different blogs that you're going to put banner ads on. The third one is three different social media platforms that you're going to private message through. The third one is three different private messaging campaigns. And we frequently use meetup.com, linkedin.com, and facebook.com. Meetup, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Hopefully your listener knows what it is, but if not, they can search for it. And what we'll do is we'll look for people that are in a group that are similar to what your perfect avatar is looking for. And a good tip for the three things is doing it from a third party. The good tip for the three different things is having it come from a third party. That's one benefit to working with us because we are automatically a third party because you don't want it to come from you and come across as self-promotion spammy. You want it to come from somebody who endorses you. So that's a big benefit. Three different places. And there's lots of other platforms, but those three we use the most. You can also do it on many, many, many other platforms. But pick three, do the private messaging, find the exact avatar and do it from a third party. And then I'm going to skip the fourth one because of time. And I want, you know, if people want some help with this, they can go to growyourshow.com and schedule a call with me and I can sit down with them one-on-one. But hopefully those three tips are, are beneficial. Oh, with the three, with the term from the third party, this is critically huge. It's only questions. Okay. You're never telling anybody anything. You're not saying, oh, you got to listen to this podcast. Here's the link. You're going to get flagged for spam so effing fast. It's not even funny. So it's not about telling. It's about asking. Ask, don't tell. And furthermore, don't ever give a link without permission. So you might say something like, somebody's reaching out on your behalf. Let's say it's my team and they're reaching out and they're going to a sushi places and they're connecting with people, asking what their favorite sushi roll is. And then we ask them another question. What do you do for a living? And they say that they're entrepreneurs. Well, I started a business. I'm a founder. And then we'll reach out to them and say, oh my gosh, have you ever heard of the blah, blah, blah podcast with sushi and entrepreneurship? You need to hear them because that's what you do. And so we just ask, have you ever heard of them? And then they say, they say, oh, no, I haven't heard of it. 
I'm more than happy to share a link. Let me know if, if you want me to cue that up for you. And then they say, oh, sure, go ahead and share the link. And then we come back and we give them the link. And in that one, it's not just a link. Remember, every single post, every single comment is a question every single time. So we say, here's the link you asked for. It's them asking for it. We're not spamming them. Here's the yep. link you asked for. Let me know what you think of it, question mark. Critically important that everything's a question. And then we follow up and we say, hey, did you ever get a chance to listen to that episode I shared with you? And then we follow up later. I just gave Lubna and Gail a five-star rating and review. Here's a screenshot. You should too. And then we come back. Hey, did you ever give them a, a rating and review? I bet they'd be honored. And then we come back. Nothing. Did you listen to the last episode with Adam Adams talking about podcasting? That was straight fire. Yeah. And they're like, no, I haven't heard that one yet. And then we jump in and we say, happy to send you a link if you want. So it's all questions. And the part that's so important is with other ways of marketing, you're only getting people to subscribe and maybe download some, some yeah. but yeah. they don't generally listen. They don't generally give a rating and review. So with this private message campaign, if, if you can nail it with a third party, with a private message campaign, you're going to get ranked so much higher. It grows so much faster because the algorithms are showing that people are coming back over and over and over. They're giving a rating and review. It's authentic. It came from a real person's thing. Uh, some people are paying like on Fiverr and stuff like this for fake stuff, but they can see that they keep coming back. And then the most important is because we keep asking, what did you think of the episode? They're more likely to do a listen through. And that's one of the things that gets you ranked faster than anything else is a full listen through rate. And you can't do that stuff with bots. And so it it, iTunes, algorithms, Apple, Podkite, Chartable, and so many of these other places that rank <laughs> yeah. podcasts, they are able to pull that data and start pushing you up in front of the ranks, which helps other people find you. Apple starts promoting you. You don't have to promote you as much anymore. It's beneficial to actually get into the top 1%. So hopefully that was helpful. I am wow. so grateful I asked you that question. Right. Those were golden it really, really was. That's what we call a mic drop without a doubt. Boom. Boom. <laughs> all the way because I just know our listeners have got such great value. I know we've got loads of listeners who are even starting their own podcast. So, of course, they're going to be contacting you, Adam. Adam's details will be in the show notes as well. Follow Adam wherever he is, wherever he shows up. <laughs> just follow him <laughs> and adam is on clubhouse so for those of you that are listening and are in the very fortunate luck of having an iphone find adam on clubhouse you can ask him directly questions instead of sending an email if you're anything like me so having said that hold on good now we are also on clubhouse and I know. entrepreneur sushi club room on Clubhouse. So please check us out. Yeah, yeah. Come and join us. We love to connect with sushi adoring entrepreneurs. Or if you do not like sushi, I have been known to convert people to sushi adore. So please do if you want to. So for now, Adam, thank you so very much for gracing us with your presence and sharing your wisdom and story. It's been absolutely phenomenal. And for either for you that is listening right now, I know you've gotten some golden nuggets. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. And we would love to know, in this case, I really want to know 
what has been your biggest takeaway from the conversation? Are you going to implement those golden four tips to rank 1% in the rank of your podcast? Do take a moment and share this with us in our Facebook group, The Entrepreneur Sushi Club, where you can connect with other sushi-adoring entrepreneurs. You will find the link to this group and to Adam's website in the description of this episode. And if you know anyone who could benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it with them. For now, having a phenomenal day wherever you are in the world. And we are looking forward to having you listen to another episode.